Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Listeners, we know that high quality professional development is hard to come by especially PD that's affordable and teacher-led. Marie and I have exactly that and want to make sure that you know about your opportunity to join and enlist in the Teaching Memoir and Biography Workshop. We've held it live before, but we've kept all of the training in one convenient place for you to access online. Visit our show notes today or www.curriculumrehab.com slash biography and memoir, and you will have access to an incredible five video training series where we break down in great depth all of the nuances, considerations, essential questions, lesson planning, unit outlining that you would need to plan your best memoir or biography unit ever. Come check it out and let us know what you think. We cannot wait to learn with you no matter when, no matter how in this asynchronous professional development. See you over there. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to the conversation that we know many of you have already been having, have been waiting to have, have been going, oh gosh, am I going to have to have this conversation? It's time to chat about chat GPT. Did you like that? I, I thought that was pretty clever. And I feel I, like people are sitting here like, we've been waiting for this episode since we were freaking out last semester. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk today, friends. All things, not all things AI, because that starts to get into like a weird meta, like uh, existential crisis kind of a <laughs> moment. And like, that's not, the, that's a podcast for another day. But AI is starting to really shake things up, shall we say, in the world of education, specifically for our purposes today in the world of ELA when it comes to writing and writing assignments and writing assessments and students learning how to write. And yeah, artificial intelligence is uh, shaking stuff up for us. Well, and today's episode, just so that you're all aware, is not going to be the kind of deep crazy philosophical dive that you might be wondering, is that coming from these two? Are they going to take us down? I'm (laughs) sure we will talk about it. But like today, we want to just address things head on. Yes. And really just kind of calm some fears. We want to like pump the brakes. Of my own, my own fears, (laughs) my own brakes. But if the rest of you would like to be here for this therapy session of mine, then yes, please welcome. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's what today is for. Today, today is not going to be like super solution oriented. It's mostly going to be, okay, what are we looking at? Like what's actually in front of us? What can we actually handle right now? And then we need to put on the back burner, like the other questions we have about what does this mean for writing in the future? What does this mean for all kinds? Those are big questions that deserve thought, consideration, experience. Like I really do think 
we need to take some time to just experience it with kids for a while before we start to make massive shifts. I mean, isn't that like the biggest mistake that admin usually makes is like they pop in with some sweeping solution to a problem we don't really understand yet. We don't want to do that. We know that there are going to be things that we need to address. We're, We're already living through those. So Marie and I just really wanted to like help everyone take a collective deep breath and control what you can control. Yes, control what you can control. So we've we have actually also a couple of guest contributors today, friends of the podcast. We will be hearing in the episode from Krista Barber from Whimsy, Whimsy and Rigor, pardon me, and from Shana Raymond from Hello Teacher Lady. They have both written some pretty phenomenal blog posts on their own platforms that we have invited them to come and share some of their insight today. But we are going to start by talking a little bit about like what the actual issue is as we see it here at Brave New Teaching. But before we get there, we need to cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Okay, friends. So this episode idea came from the absolute hubbub, especially in like November, December of 2022. Let's take a walk down memory lane, shall we? It was early December of 2022. (laughs) And Marie was in her 12th grade world literature class, watching four students sit at their table, whispering to each other a mere five and a half feet from where I sit, thinking I couldn't hear them. saying, is it loading for you? Is it loading? No, it won't load for me. Oh, no, the bandwidth isn't going to... Cut to me realizing very quickly that these kids were trying to use chat GPT to write their creative writing assignment. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, "Oh, oh, we're just seeing if it could do it. And I was like, of course it could do it, but you're supposed to do it. Like, duh. Duh. (laughs) And then I realized, oh, the apocalypse is now. And right. You were not the only one. (laughs) You were not the only one who had apocalyptic thoughts. And like, (laughs) talk about bandwidth today. Like how much more bandwidth will be required of teachers? (laughs) Like seriously, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it's a slippery slope too in that moment of like, oh my God, if they're trying to, first of all, This assignment that I'm talking about, they had to like write a short creative narrative that was inspired by research that they had done. Literally do something and you'll get credit. Like that's where we were at because it was just like a stretch your brain and also and and give me some time to like grade their research and report presentations, their argumentative presentations. Uh, Yeah. So it was kind of like a do work and let's stretch your creativity, do something and you'll get credit. And they were trying to get AI to write it for them. And I was like, but why? Like, I don't understand. And so then that slippery slope of my brain was like, oh my God, if this actually seems easier to kids, watching them try to get chat GPT to write their creative narrative was like watching them work so much harder. 
to do yeah. something like it, they they would choose to do something that is so much more effort to cheat than to just do the thing. And I was like, oh, no, I, I think that totally checks out. I think that goes with exactly why we were, you know, really thinking about this episode is kids have been cheating like this for a very long time. Oh, totally. But it's right? so like, much. I guess what like blows my mind yes. is like it's so much more work. It is so much more work. And it's just it is unbelievable how much what a length kids will go to to do this kind of stuff. And I think my first reminder for everybody is going to come from a very vulnerable place. I can tell you right now for a long time, I used to take that that kind of behavior and plagiarism itself personally. I felt it in my gut that this was about me, them not liking me, them not trusting me, me being a bad teacher. It was all about me. And if you're feeling any of that, first of all, I hear you. Second of all, get rid of it. Well, yeah, you're not alone. You're far from alone. It's the same sentiment that we get as teachers, as parents, even when a child's behavior feels like it's personal and it's so not about us. Like it's so not, even when they say it's about us, it's not about us. There is something in our kids that makes them feel like they're not going to be able to do it on their own. Therefore, they must cheat. Right, like or, that's, or do it well enough, or do you know do it right. to the standard that they even the kids right who I remember the temptation to cheat because I wanted to do it the best. Yeah, I well, like yeah, you have to be something. the winner. Well, you were Amanda. Well, Hello, obviously you're going to well, win. I mean, which is which is again why like this is it's not about the teacher. It was about right. me wanting to impress somebody, not even necessarily to be dishonest, but like I wanted to be the best. So I was trying to find. I, And I I don't remember actually going through with any of that, but any of those inclinations and and a lot of our students, whether, whether they're doing well or they're struggling so much of this, like this need to rely on something else to blame when it doesn't go well or something else to help them get. Like, I, I just wanted to remind everybody of that, like that psychological part of this, that it's not personal. And that's a really important place to start this conversation because I have seen so many teachers on Facebook and Instagram feeling like, well, they themselves are exhausted from a two years of pandemic teaching, all the fallout, and now this, yep. that it's easy to get to a place where you're blaming yourself for not being good enough yourself in your teaching that kids are resorting to this. That's not where we are. Well, and I think it also in that same, like, take yourself out of it as much as you can, right? It also points to, and this doesn't, this does not absolve children of culpability when it comes to cheating, but it points to how much pressure is on our kids and how much pressure we are putting on them, their parents and guardians and families and friends are putting on them and how much pressure they are putting on themselves, whether it is real or not, that pressure exists, right? Or like whether it's for real reasons or not, that pressure exists. And so like, I think like, the four kids that I'm talking about, these are really high achieving seniors. These are kids that are in their AP chem classes that are preparing to like go to med school after there. There's one kid in particular who was getting so frustrated with the app with chat GPT. And I was like, buddy, you know that you could do this in a fraction of the time that it's taking you. Like just write the first paragraph and we're already an hour into class and you've got a title and that's it. Like, what are you doing? You're smarter than this. And he was like, I know, I just, my brain is so tired. I wanted to see if this would work. Like, he was being very open and honest with me, but I was like, yes, I'm glad that you are like trying to use your technology, you know, to your advantage. But also, at what point 
does this just become more pressure that you're putting on yourself? But when they feel they feel like they have to try something else, because like you were saying before, they might not be enough, they might not. And they're just kind of cracking. Like, I guess that's what like, reignites the empathy in me of like, okay, there's the pressure to just keep doing and keep doing more. And there's also the very real struggle. And this will get us into a little bit more of like what to do about this, of helping ourselves and our students understand that progress over perfection, like education is about progress and measuring progress on a personal level so much more, well, it should be so much more than perfecting things and getting all of the perfect scores. And yet the world that we live in and the the like square peg, the round hole we have to fit in is test scores and getting into college for like certain kids. And we're asking them to do things that are measured by their own growth. <laughs> It doesn't line up. Therefore, they're like, I got to just get it done. If anything, and this again is going to transition us kind of into our our segment here of of what we, you know, suggest doing. I think that this is a, this is technology's way of trying to push the educational envelope further of where it needs to be. We are still there at, at a large majority relying on major summative assessments as the indicator of learning period major content based summative assessments let's put that in there yes yes and this is different for like a science class it's different for a um i mean yes and no it's different like science where there's just much more specific content to be that you have to know to be able to apply skills. But like when we are talking specifically about English language arts, we are talking about skill-based assessments is where we need to be looking. Right. Because largely we're still in a culture of read a book and write an essay, read Lord of the Flies, write a book about the themes in Lord of the Flies, move on to the next book. That's, you know, that's, so Marie and I are here to say, we're here to continue to tell you all the things we've already been telling you. You know, I heard about AI and what's going on and I saw a lot of this stuff and I thought to myself, that would have a really hard time with the Sesame Street quiz. I think this would be something with our kinds of the formative assessments that Marie and I talk about in Down With The Reading Quiz. One of the biggest reasons that we had them was not as a deterrent for AI, but because they're measurements of progress over perfection, their measurements of learning over time, their measurements that decenter the text and center skills. And that's where we're headed anyway. So not to say like, don't worry about AI, like certainly it's going to creep in and be an issue. But if you're in the thick of it and you're working really hard to transition into the things that Marie and I have been teaching and not just us, lots of other people, you know, oh, yeah. That, that this like critical thinking, skill-based learning over content, we're going to be okay. You're already in a good position. And we want to just continue to do these things as much as possible. Because when you're watching a student take a Sesame Street quiz once a week, and you've been reading their body paragraphs and short answers every week in a quiz, and you get to the summative, there's a couple things that are going to happen, right? Like you're either going to get a chat GPT and it's going to come in and you're going to instantly see red flag. This is not this kid's. You're going to be able to have a conversation that says, Hey, like you've written all these body paragraphs that have been really good. Why the switch? 
Why yeah, did you jump Where did this come from? Yeah. Where did this come from? And you will also have a better chance of having them revisit their own writing to do something original because you've been progressively working on things. So I just, you know, really, I know we have two other people we want to hear from. My big takeaway from all of this is if you're already in this lane, stay there, stay strong, and it's going to be okay. And they're going to be bumps along the way. Like, I guarantee you some of the finals that I am collecting for this term one final are going to be generated by AI. And honestly, if my grade book is as balanced as I know it is and as equitable as I can make it, that AI paper is not going to throw it one way or the other because they have been measured all along the way. And I and I know like earlier in my career, I could not say the same thing. So like, it is what it is. Any one single class is not going to make or break a student's entire, it should not make or break a student's entire educational career, right? So yeah, I'm probably going to have some uh, plagiarized stuff that was written by a bot. And if I'm doing things the way that I say I should be doing things, and I am at this point, then I'm going to be okay. And they're going to be okay. And it's not going to inflate their grade overly. And it's not going to murder their grade if I make them redo it, which I will. Yes. And all the things that Amanda's talking about, being able to do things progressively over time. You've heard us talk about it so many times if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. But that like progression over time is so good for students. It is so good for their learning. And it's so good for us as teachers because it takes those huge doing nothing having to do with grading all the grading all at once, nothing having to do with grading all the grading all at once or alleviates a lot of that as well because it's slow and it happens over time. Well, we especially have. with writing, especially with writing. No, I, I just yes, want to underscore yes, yes, that yes, yes, point yes, for yes. Marie, because Mar- that's exactly what we're saying is not other skills too, but especially writing. We already know that it's not best practice to once in a blue moon, assign an essay and call that teaching writing. So <laughs> that's we're we're right. doing all the right things. Right. Uh and it's all on a spectrum, right? Yes. So like I do really well at it sometimes and then there are some terms where I'm like I did not do that so great. Right? So like just be gentle with yourself. We're all figuring it out. I guarantee you this is how teachers felt when Spark Notes and Cliff Notes first came out. I guarantee you this is how teachers felt when word processing went to computing instead of a legit word processor. Like when grammar and spelling check came out and we were no longer responsible for just memorizing how language was supposed to go into text. These are all things this might be and feel and it might actually be a bit bigger than some of those other technological jumps, but it's still a pendulum swing of education. We have two phenomenal teachers that we need to hear from, and we cannot wait for you to hear what they have to say. Again, this is Krista Barber from Whimsy and Rigor and Shanna Raymond from Hello Teacher Lady. They are just powerhouse teachers in their own right, and they can explain things from their own personal perspectives in such a good way. They're going to help us figure out what to worry about and what to keep calm and carry on about. And we know you're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. These girls, they even have some, I was was talking to them about this when we were recording. Um, They have some really interesting ways to lean in to chat GPT Uh and uh lean into AI. So there's some really cool things there. And like we said earlier in the episode, when we're ready and we're refreshed, maybe over the summer, we can kind of go in with a more microscopic look at like, how should this change writing instruction? A strategic Um, uh, approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so stay tuned for that later. You know, we're like I said, we're here to just kind of give you a big hug today and let you hear from two brilliant master teachers.
Yeah. So friends, enjoy learning from Krista and Shana, and we will uh, catch you on the flip side. If you're anything like me, you totally freaked out when you first heard about ChatGPT. Well, I'm going to tell you how I gained control of myself and figured out how to make this AI work for me. My name is Krista Barber. You might know me as Whimsy and Rigor on Instagram, or you can find me on my blog, whimsyandrigor.wordpress.com. Okay, so after I calmed myself down, I started thinking, how can I make this incredible technology help me? You've likely already heard about ChatGPT, but in a nutshell, it's a bot where you go to the website and in the little dialogue box, you can put anything, maybe a poem about the World Cup written in the style of E.E. Cummings in 0.2 seconds. There you go. Or maybe you want to see, hmm, essay on the theme of mice and men. In less than one second, there is a beautifully crafted essay As a language arts teacher, that's basically my worst nightmare. But instead of dwelling in all the ways it's going to mess up my teaching, I thought about how can this help my teaching? Okay, let me know if you are with me. Sometimes when you have to write report card comments, your emotions get in the way. What I mean by that is, what if you're like really, really disappointed in a student who you know can do so much more than they actually are? Or maybe you're really frustrated with a kid who just doesn't do any work. It's really hard to mask all of those feelings when you're writing report card comments. This happened to me just a few weeks ago, and so I thought, hmm, I wonder if ChatGPT can give me some solid report card comments. So I popped over to the website, and in the dialog box, I put report card comments middle school language arts student doesn't do work. And literally in less than one second, the bot gave me six perfectly worded void of emotion comments about that particular student with that particular issue. All I had to do was copy and paste it into my report card comments. It clearly communicated all the things that I had observed and witnessed in the student's behavior, but it took out all of that emotion I was feeling. I had another student I had to put in chat GPT middle school language arts student disruptive in class. And again, it created these perfectly worded, very succinct and to the point report card comments that I could maybe with a few slight tweaks paste into my report card comments for a student. Of course, I add a little bit to personalize my comments and reference specific projects that we've done in class and specific assignments. But for those big meaty things that I just was having a really hard time saying in a professional way, ChatGPT totally saved the day. That's my most favorite way to use ChatGPT so far. But I also used it to help me plan out my big ideas and my big questions when I started teaching Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury for the first time. Obviously, this is an iconic novel, but I'd never taught it before in my middle school language arts classroom. So I went over to ChatGPT and I put in essential questions, Fahrenheit 451, essay topics, Fahrenheit 451, and it produced some incredible essay topics that I totally used to inspire my 
my actual ideas that I gave to my students. I wasn't an English major, and so I always feel a little bit insecure when I have to get all like literary when I'm talking about books because I'm really just teaching myself how to read like an English major. And ChatGPT actually has helped give words to ideas I've had, but I'm not quite sure how to articulate it. And it's helped me create a solid lesson where students in my class get to dive deeply into a rich discussion about Fahrenheit 451. And I honestly don't think I would have been able to get there without ChatGPT. So teachers, stop freaking out about ChatGPT. It is not going to completely destroy all of our incredible lessons that we've already created. I really hope that you use one of these two ideas. AI is incredible technology and it's here to stay and it's only going to become more and more prevalent. So let's find how to make it work for us instead of making us scared. Creative problem solving is what I'm all about, and I really hope that you pop over to Instagram and find me. Let's connect at Whimsy and Ricker, or of course, you can find me on my blog, whimsyandricker.wordpress.com. I also have a couple of videos on YouTube if you are more of a visual learner. Um, hop over there and then tell me how I can help you. Hi, this is Shana Ramin. I'm a middle school language arts and journalism teacher turned technology integration specialist. I write about teaching and technology on my blog, HelloTeacherLady.com, and you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at HelloTeacherLady. I first became interested in ChatGPT after seeing some posts across the teacher social media spaces, and teachers were in what seemed like a total panic over the emergence of this new tool, this artificial intelligence that could write essays, like really good essays, for students. So my English teacher brain was immediately intrigued. If students can just enter a prompt on a website and get an entirely original essay written specifically for them, well, that certainly wouldn't show up on any modern plagiarism checker, and that's a problem. But then I started thinking, well, this is just another reason why we need to rethink traditional assessments in English class. I've never been a fan of the five-paragraph essay anyway, so maybe there's an opportunity here somewhere. Then I put on my technology integration specialist hat. And I started thinking about all of the implications this new tool has for students in the classroom. Among many other things, my department is responsible for the whitelisting and banning of certain apps and websites. So is this something that we all need to take a closer look at? Is there any educational value in this at all? Or is this strictly something that should be banned across all student devices, like right away? At this point, my mind is spinning. So I decided to hop onto ChatGPT to give it a try for myself. I had been doing some work with digital citizenship recently, so I asked it to write me a poem about digital citizenship. Within seconds, it starts writing, and the end result was actually really good. It had stanzas, it rhymed, it was accurate. I mean, my mind was completely blown. I published the full poem over on my blog, HelloTeacherLady.com, if you want to take a look. And here's another poem that ChatGPT wrote me about media literacy. Media literacy is a crucial skill to help us understand and think until... We can discern the truth from lies and see through the clever disguise. It's about knowing how to research and use reliable sources to search for information that is accurate and true and not be fooled by what is fake or new. So let's be media literate and wise and use our skills to criticize the information that we see and hear and always strive to be sincere. So yeah, not bad, right? At this point, I'm definitely thinking about all of the ways this tool could be used for nefarious purposes, but then I started thinking, 
If there's potential for misuse, then there's got to be a potential for good too, right? Are there ways that teachers might actually be able to use ChatGPT in their instructional practice, maybe to help plan a lesson or activity? I had a few ideas of my own, but I decided to ask the expert. I typed into ChatGPT, what are some ways teachers can use ChatGPT in the classroom? And again, within seconds, it started writing. It wrote me an introduction, then it wrote three short paragraphs with ideas for how teachers could use ChatGPT. And it even wrote me a little conclusion too. I published the full text on my blog, Hello Teacher Lady, if you want to take a look, it's pretty cool. But in short, the three ideas it came up with were writing prompt generator, passage generator, and vocabulary builder. So basically, teachers could use ChatGPT to generate writing prompts or passages on a topic of study. It actually does a pretty good job of adjusting its language level too. So teachers could ask it to write a passage at an eighth grade reading level, for example, or they could copy and paste an existing passage that might be a little too advanced for their students and ask ChatGPT to write it at a lower reading level. It also suggested using ChatGPT as a vocabulary builder. So teachers could give it a word bank and ask it to generate sentences using that word in context. Teachers could then use those sentences in a variety of lessons and activities. So if you stop and think about those ideas for a minute, wow. I mean, like what a time saver, right? This could be a game changer for teachers everywhere. So I definitely don't have all the answers when it comes to ChatGPT, and it's definitely something that warrants closer scrutiny. But I also know that AI isn't going away, so rather than being afraid of it, why not embrace it a little? At the very least, we should do our best to understand it so we can make informed decisions about its use moving forward. And if you haven't had a chance to check it out for yourself yet, I really do encourage you to give it a try. We hope that you have enjoyed today's episode talking all about AI and our little chat about chat GPT. We know that we have learned quite a bit from Krista and Shana, and we would like to thank them again for hopping onto the podcast and sharing their genius with us all. Be sure to head to the show notes so you can follow them and kind of get a, a sense of their where they come from in their teaching and also for links to their blog posts that you can share with your colleagues and friends and just continue this conversation. We know that professional conversation around a topic like this is how we gain insights and start to build strategies to move forward. We can't wait for next week. Next week's actually going to be a rerun, but not because we're lazy, a rerun because this episode is so awesome and needs a another breath of life. We are rerunning a Valentine's Day collabisode from I think the first year of the podcast, but we have five speakers on this episode with brilliant fun ideas for Valentine's Day. So if you're feeling like you need a little a little breath of something silly and fun and goofy. This episode will give you plenty of ideas, show notes full of all the links to all of the things and we can't wait to transition into February. I know. It's uh, 2023 is moving right along. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 